Dear listeners, welcome to the 10th talk of the podcast Footprints of an Expat. I am Evelina Rimkute, born in Lithuania and currently living in Switzerland. While I'm recording this podcast, this is almost the last week before all the winter festivities in Europe. Together with the world, I am also looking back in 2021 and try to memorize great moments that we all have lived through. Even with home office and various event restrictions, I was surrounded by my family members and good friends, great colleagues, passionate community, and inspiring encounters. This podcast was also my way to reach out to many of you and continue building dialogue on how to build a new life at a new place and sometimes more than once. Thank you for being with the journey together with me. So my heart is filled with gratitude and admiration how wonderful life could be even among the challenges we are facing. I'm thankful for so many stories that you have trusted to me, either personally or in this podcast. I hope that you, my listeners, were also touched by so many personal stories and experiences that I was able to bring to you. I wish that these stories fill you with energy to continue your journey, whatever the road is taking you towards. Today's talk is a bit unusual, and I hope you will welcome more variety as well. One of my good friends challenged me to introduce more diversity into the show. That was indeed a very interesting point to raise, especially considering my involvement in gender integration topics through the Linné Network Switzerland, which I am co-leading with a great leadership team. As you might notice, my guests were coming from different age groups, countries, family statuses, education or working areas. Today, I am adding the gender diversity aspect which could open an additional angle to understand the complexity of how we, expats, start a new life in a new country. So today, I'm pleased to welcome Nicola Stefano, a man with a big heart, adventurous soul, professional mindset, and openness to be part of social life around him. Hello, Nicholas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Evelina. Thank you for having me. I know we were discussing a few minutes ago that it took us some time till we arranged the proper timing. So I'm really finally happy to welcome you as the special guest in this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I gave the illusion that I'm obviously very busy all the time, but uh, I think it was just more bad timing than anything. Very good. Uh, we know each other for, I think, almost six years. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. As much as I remember being in Switzerland and meeting other expats, I remember meeting you. And from some of our talks, I also know your journey, your stories, and how you see life in Switzerland. So I'm also looking forward to give the stage for you to share your experiences that people could profit. Thank you. Yes, I'll do my best. So would you mind introducing yourself a bit, especially in the terms of your expat journey? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, my name is Nicholas. Uh, I'm originally from the UK, um, but for uh, immigration purposes, I'm currently Irish, um, thanks to my country of birth uh, choosing to leave the European Union. Um, oh. Luckily, I have an Irish mother and a Cypriot father, so I have many roots into being a full-fledged member of the European community. Um, 
Yeah, so I've been in Switzerland now for nearly six years. Um, but before that, I had lived in uh, Belgium for two years. And also I lived in Australia for one year. Mm-hmm. I made the assumption that your family's like travelers, expats, people choosing which country to live. Is it so? Is it the right assumption? Well, it is. I mean, it's it's funny. It's it's We use the word expat, but uh, I think it's the word expat is something that... Uh, that we use for sort of a white European immigrants, shall we say, or middle-class white European immigrants. I, I my, my parents, my father's from Cyprus. Um, my mother's from Ireland. Um, but I don't think I've ever heard them use the word expat, I think, in their, in their things. I mean, they are, I guess, would be economic migrants. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they moved to the, because of uh, the colonial times of the UK and, my father's from Cyprus, which was until the 60s was, uh, or late 50s, should I say, was part of the the British Empire. So moving to the UK was not a problem. Mm-hmm. You automatically got the visa because the thing, and with Ireland was the pretty much, if you're from Ireland, they, your, your entry into the UK is guaranteed. So I think it's purely economical migrants f- from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you think of home, what is home for you now? You were you were in UK. You had the Irish passport. Mm-hmm. You stay in Switzerland. I still hear about Cyprus. So, what is home for you today, for example? I will be Switzerland for Switzerland. me now. I think, yeah. Even though I haven't mastered <laughs> mastered the language yet, um, believe it or not, yeah, I, I I I see this as home now. Yeah, it took a couple of years for this for me to think this way. Um, okay. I hope they don't kick me out anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I still have my B permit, maybe one day mm-hmm. C permit. But yeah. So before we dig down a bit how you managed to integrate yourself, even without the proper language, would you mind sharing three achievements of your life that you're proud of? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> well, I think firstly, I think I'd like to share maybe where I am today, sort of with work and with life and stuff. I mean, I... I didn't have the opportunity to attend higher education in the UK. So I guess for most of your listeners, I probably, I have high school education. Um, mm-hmm. I did some sort of, uh, after high school, I did a, an apprenticeship, um, which unfortunately was cancelled and stuff. So I never actually got to finish that. So I think I started work when I was about 17. And to get to where I am now, it's been purely hard work. i always found myself competing against should we say people who are on paper are more are more qualified than myself but the one advantage that I always had was I had the experience so you can imagine when when I'm in my early 20s there were lots of graduates coming through and stuff who were probably they didn't have the experience with work and mm-hmm. I always had the experience I don't know if it, that same rule applies nowadays because I think a lot of the time you cannot even get your CV uh, through the door without having a, without mm-hmm. having a degree now. But thankfully I'm mm-hmm. old enough that it was from a time when, uh, when, yeah. when having a degree wasn't, wasn't the defining of your, uh, of your application. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also my traveling as well, not just living in other countries, but uh, I mean, I've traveled all over Asia. I've traveled all over Europe and stuff. And it's, it's something that, uh, it's something that I love to do, but uh, I, I, well, I consider myself quite brave in some respects, and I, I wouldn't think even from a young age just going to a train station with a bag on my back and just getting on the train and traveling somewhere. Um, and I did this all in Europe, and 
in some of the mm-hmm. uh, the old Eastern Bloc countries and stuff, and you know some scary times and stuff. So it sounds like your heart is all, always on the road. Mm, massively, yes, yes. I think that comes from having um, living in a country where, should we say, even though I was born in the country, I had a Cypriot uh, father and an Irish mother, mm-hmm. and I never felt quite connected to the country, even the country of my birth. And obviously, I never felt quite connected in Ireland because I wasn't born in Ireland and the same for Cyprus and stuff. So I've, I've never really felt I've had a, I've had a home, mm-hmm. God, which, can, which sounds quite sad now when I say it like that. But, uh, but it's the very interesting angle you're explaining it here. I would be curious to know, do you need to have that feeling that you belong? I would say in my early years, yes. Mm-hmm. But the older I've got, the more I've realized It's just a piece of paper. I mean, you can get a document. If you live in any country long enough, you can get a document to say mm-hmm. you are a citizen of that country. I mean, and especially now with the way the world is working. I mean, we are, it, it, I mean, it's global now. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if you live in a country, you can live in one country and working and work in another country. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, yeah. So younger years, I think growing up, um, I think it was more of an issue, but I surrounded myself with most of my friends were Irish or, or should we say not Irish, but were they the same, the same as me? We are all, I would say all of my friends are first generation uh, children of immigrants in the UK, mm-hmm. be it Irish, Italian, Spanish or whatever. So what was the reason this you as the first generation of kid of the, an immigrant family You chose not to stay in the land that your parents chosen. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, to anyone that's twenty uh, one that's ever lived in the UK, it's a it's a lovely place to visit. I mean, especially I, I grew up in and around London and stuff. It's a fantastic city. So much to do, so much to think. But if you have to live and work there, it's not the greatest place in the world. It's it's one big rat rat race in the UK. It's just you wake up in the morning, you go to the train station. Are the trains running on time? Are they not running on time? And and in London, there's this weird thing of it takes you one hour to get anywhere in London. Okay. If it's one kilometer, it takes you an hour. If it's thirty kilometers, it takes you over an hour. I, I don't know the, the laws of the laws of physics do not seem to apply to 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 yeah. London, and I'm sure it's the same in most city big cities as well. It's just thing, and it's just people were generally quite miserable in London as well. Like I mean, I had good friends and good things, and this this was great, but you could see just. It was it was it was one big rat race. You're working to pay your bills, to to pay your rent, to pay your things, and and I think there was no work. There's no work life balance in mm-hmm. in London, Understood. as I found in Switzerland. Okay. You know, in Switzerland, when I when I finish work, I can turn my computer off, and if I choose to do more work, the choice is mine. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to do some extra work or or finish something off, or think the choice is mine. Nothing. I found certainly in the job that I have currently in Switzerland, have I ever, has anything ever been enforced on me? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think in London, in the UK, it was expected that you work late. Not saying it's not like that in Switzerland, but my experience so far in Switzerland, it hasn't been like that. And if uh, you compare with Australia, Belgium? Yeah, Australia was very strange because when I went uh the visa that I went on, you could only work in the same place for three months mm-hmm. at a time. 
yeah so that is it was called a working a working holiday visa so i spent like six months working so i had maybe three jobs in that time even though i was working in my, my mindset was i'm on holiday mm-hmm. that's very different mindset in i'm i'm on a one-year holiday you know and if someone gets you down or, or you have to do some extra work or something like that you think nah, i'm on holiday I can go to the beach tomorrow, I can go to the bar, I can go here. And yeah, yeah, in fact, that the year I never got into the working mindset, it was more, is this temporary? Who cares what they think about me, you know? But you know, it's so interesting. I'm originally from Lithuania, and it's not a secret that many friends and people from my country go to UK for temporary job and mm-hmm. for vacation. And now mm-hmm. we're talking with you, you are from UK. <laughs> and now I slowly figuring out what are destinations for Brits to go for their vacation or for the earning money or for the student vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the the, the, the Australia is a very a very popular destination for the for the under under 35s. Let, let's just say in the UK we we don't do so well at learning other people's languages. When the whole world speaks your language, you and this is not everyone, but uh, it, it is quite common that we become quite lazy. I mean, the fact that I'm sitting in Switzerland talking to a Lithuanian and doing a podcast in mm-hmm. English. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that that about sums yeah. everything up, really. I think. If I may ask, did the language also influence your ch- choices in which country you want to live and work? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, all of the jobs I applied for. I mean, the specification had would have to say. Um, the business language is mm-hmm. is is uh is english and if you have if you have knowledge of of either for belgium it was it was french um or dutch or obviously for switzerland it, in zurich it's german is an advantage but you will not you will not not get the job if you do not speak the, the these languages agree mm-hmm. so yeah that was my primarily reason yeah so do i understand correctly that switzerland is the location we are staying for the longest time Uh, yeah, yes, other than the UK. So how was your start here? And what were the reasons that you saw that you could stay here for the longer time? Well, I mean, my experience here, I, I think I told you the story before, but uh, when I arrived in Switzerland, I came with my three big suitcases to Zurich Airport, you know, and, I, and I'm not one, I, I, I like to travel. So I like to mm-hmm. get the trains, I like the things, not so much getting taxis and stuff. So I arrived at the airport, I was stopped by the customs and Obviously, you know how friendly customs people can be. Uh, um, asked me, what am I doing here? And I said, oh, I, this is, I'm moving to Switzerland, etc. So where are your papers? So, thankfully, I had all my papers, presented them to them and everything. And I, she took one look at my work contract and just said, and this is all you're being paid? And I, I think, <laughs> sorry, what? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, uh, I've subsequently looked into my salary, my starting salary, everything, and it was way above average. So I don't, I do not know why the woman chose to say this to me. Literally, don't know. Um, so yeah, obviously, she said fine. Stamped my papers. I went through. So I'm like, obviously, first impressions. I'm like, what have I done? What, what a, you know, well, yeah, yeah. I, I want to get back on the plane and leave. So I got the train to Zurich HB and I got out and it was the 1st of May. So the whole station was riot police in full combat oh. gear um, because of the, you know, protecting the banks, protecting the things. So I'm obviously, I'm standing there with three suitcases looking around with, with armed police and stuff. I'm thinking, oh my God, like literally, you know, 
I'm two for two now. Like, I, I, what am I, what am I going to do? What have I done? Is this, is this normal behaviour in Zurich? Is this just, you know, hundreds of riot police everywhere and stuff? Mm, thankfully not. Uh, I decided to get a taxi then to my uh, apartment and uh, had my first experience of uh, Swiss prices, should we say, upon the taxi journey. Just, you know, think like a, a five-kilometer taxi journey was, you know, 70, 80 francs, and I just remember going. Oh my god. It's it's so nice when we look back like six six years later, but I think that day was quite a heavy decision and quite uh, interesting experiences, mm. if I could call it so. But uh, I luckily I remember going back to my my, my well, it was like a I think uh, I won't say the name of the departments, but it was one of the service departments. I'm you know, the, the ones that we all do when we are here for the first yeah. couple of months. And they're they're yeah. quite depressing, aren't they? You know, there's a bed, there's a, a table, there's a chair, there's a yeah a really old television, you know, um, with like two channels or something. And it, it is kind of, you know, you moved from your country, you moved from your thing and you're, mm-hmm. it, it's not even as comfortable as a hotel. I think a hotel would become more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But whereas thing, but uh, yeah, I threw my bags down and I went out and found the nearest, uh, nearest bar and uh, bought, uh-huh. myself, bought myself a beer. And uh, there were some nice people there I spoke to and everything. And I was like, oh, wow. This is not so bad. So it's the very good direction you're heading to, because I was going to ask, so what helped you to make this strange country with uh, prices, riot police, and small <laughs> small apartments more yeah. friendlier to you? I've heard about the beer. I've, got, mm, I've heard yes, about yes. going out. <laughs> what else could you say What was your secret secret ingredients i think because because the way zurich is i mean you know yourself there are a lot of there are a lot of expats here so it wasn't so hard to make friends everyone is in the same boat as you say in english you know it's it's kind of everyone is here and i know people so a lot of people came with their partners and stuff and everything so maybe that's slightly different but i think because i don't really have much time on my own here i, I arrived on the first of may and i work on the second of may and then my first thing, I was put into a class, uh, put into a, an induction at at at, uh, at UBS. Um, mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, I was in a room with 20 people who were exactly the same as me, literally exactly the same. And and now four or five of those people that were in my induction, I consider now very good friends. Mm-hmm. You know, we bonded over just being new to a foreign land, I think. And that's... there's. No bigger bond. Fear, fear, fear brings no bigger bond. I think. Yeah, few of my guests in my show also share that it's easier to find the friends when they all expats or immigrants. But mm-hmm. what happens when they start leaving? Have you considered this scenario? When I lived in Belgium, that's exactly what happened a lot. The turnaround in Belgium was very, 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 very quick, especially with amongst mm. the amongst the expat community. People would come for six yeah. months and they would leave. People come for three months and would leave. Um, thankfully, I made some very good Belgian friends, so it wasn't really an issue. Now, in Switzerland, you're right. The people that I know haven't left yet. <laughs> very good. But yes, mm-hmm. it, 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 it potentially could be an issue. But I, I'm I'm not a shy person. There, We, we live in a social media age now where there are so many groups there's a group there's a group for everything if i want to go and watch the football now in in my my team from the uk if i want to go and watch them play tonight there will be groups somewhere where i can just message and say hey is anyone going to the pub tonight to watch the football and 10 people mm-hmm. will reply and say yes we'd love to join you you know i think mm-hmm. i think i think with yeah. social media now you have no excuse not to make friends 
want to make friends should we say if you want to make friends you know and and i understand people are shy and people and and it does and you know i mean any just tips for anyone that arrives you do have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions if you are alone when you come to the country you have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions where you have to walk into a room with 20 people 30 people 40 people who you don't know and you have to make an effort if you don't make an effort then you will be miserable here not here you'll be miserable anywhere i mean you know but always bear in mind that nobody knows you so you you always have the opportunity to reinvent yourself you have no one has any expectations of you no one has it you walk into a room and that's purely that's it if you go to an internations event you have a a little sticker with your name to say my name is nicholas i mean i think i joked yeah, with you yeah. before like what have you what did i change about myself my name my name is Nicholas. My name is not Nick, but like in the UK, it's mm-hmm. Nick. And I, and I hate Nick. I, I, I hate uh-huh. the name Nick. It's, it's not my name. But you know, like, I mean, you, you, it's just a nickname that you get and it just, it just sticks with you. So the first thing I made sure when I came to Switzerland, if anyone asked me what my name is, it's Nicholas. And it's true. I never heard anyone <laughs> calling you Nick. Uh, no, 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 no. So what I'm hearing, if I could rephrase that you're saying when you're in the new country, it's your responsibility to find the people with whom you could socialize. Absolutely. No one will be coming to you, waiting no. for you. and You shape your own destiny. Shaping your own destiny. Very good. Very, mm-hmm. very good in an inspiring direction. I won't let you go so easily. So can you think about more <laughs> tips how to make life successful in different countries? I think, I think if you're moving to another country, you have to be sure of the reason why you're moving. I think, I think that's probably the biggest tip that I can give. Mm-hmm. Be sure. I mean, we have a saying in English that the grass is always greener mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah, which basically means, oh, things will be better when I move to Switzerland. Things will be better when I do this. Things will be better than that. You know, um, the, the biggest tip I can give is you need to make a list of the reasons you want to leave your current country of residence, mm-hmm. should we say. And then see, you know, by moving to another country, will it solve those problems? Because if it won't solve those problems, you will go to that other country and you can be just as miserable in that other country <laughs> as you were in your own mm-hmm. country. Um, you know, because I mean, at the end of the day, like working is working, isn't it? You, you you still have to get up and you still do a job for another company, for another person, and they pay you a wage and think this this dynamic doesn't change in, in any country. Yeah. You are paid to work eight hours, nine hours for a person, for a thing. Um, the only good thing in Switzerland, which I found is, like I said at the start, it's the work-life balance. You know, I turn my computer off, I walk out the door, I'm in the mountains. I jump on a train, I'm yeah. in another country, in a, you know, in two hours or, or, or whatever. Or I get in my car and I go do my shopping mm-hmm. in Germany. I know these sounds like very little things, but these are amazing things, things that I could never mm-hmm. do in the UK. And, you know, when you were saying to have the list and to understand that the grass is green on the other side, it a bit reflects me with the few discussions I had with my other friends and colleagues that we are happy when we want things that we have. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So, so sometimes we could really force us to some difficulties just because we're not very satisfied what we have and we hope just this new country could solve everything and sometimes as you said we still go into offices have to go into work we still have to work and we still have to socialize we still have to go and say who mm-hmm. are you and meet new people so it's not changing no no i mean i, I understand as well i mean a lot of people do come to switzerland for should we say 
there's no wise way of putting it. They come for the money. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people t- set themselves a five-year plan. They say, we'll come to Switzerland for five years. We will work. We will learn. We will save our money. We will not socialize so much. We will not do anything. But, you know, after five years, back in my home country, I can afford to buy an apartment. Yeah. You know, or I think, I mean, and, and stuff like that is it, life-changing, isn't it? You know, you, you consider how much you pay for your rent and stuff and everything. You know, owning your own apartment means what well, means you will be comfortable in your in your mm-hmm. in your in your home country for the rest of your life, um, which is fine. I mean, there, there is nothing wrong with that at all. It's always so hard to make friends with Swiss people, and you know, like a kind of joke you always say with them. Yeah. And, and I remember one of my colleagues said, uh, "Simply said, that's because you all leave." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I was like, and I was like, well, yeah, fair yeah. enough. It's like, why should I invest my time into being good friends with you or being, you, you know, and and then you leave. Really, and then you go, anyway, it was nice knowing you. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good point. And I hear it quite often that it's about commitment mm-hmm. because when we build friends, usually we still hope for some stability and it takes time to build the friendships. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And, you know, we're, we're, different cultures have different rules and, and different things and the way they organize things with their friends. And, yeah. you know, in, in the UK, we always used to joke that uh, when, when, when we were at work, you decided we were going out that evening, like one minute to five o'clock. Oh, God. You, you know, someone would come to your desk at one minute to five. Shall we go out this evening? Oh, yeah, why not? Let's go out this evening. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in Switzerland, you know yourself, it's uh, three months before, booking in the calendar, yes, yes, checking yes, the dates and yes. stuff. And, but, that's, but that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, no, it's not a criticism. It's just uh, Swiss people interact with each other that way. Yeah. So it's not, it's, not they, it's not they have a singled out... Uh, you know expats to behave differently to it's it's just the culture and I admit I quite like so, yeah it. oh it it, tri- it drives me insane <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's something I'm used to now you know so Nicholas is there something more that you think it is important to mention and I have not asked about it not really yeah I mean the biggest thing like I said was just really make that list if, if someone is going to move here make that list and just make sure it's the right decision that's the biggest thing I can say really Yes. And it's the very nice summary of our talk as well. So I thank you for your time, for this energetic and productive exchange about your trip. And officially, I welcome you as being the first man on my podcast. And thank you thank for you. challenging me to have more diversity in my show. No. That was the very nice <laughs> hint from your side. No problem, Avina. Thank you for having me. Ciao, Nicholas. Ciao. With this podcast... I'm closing 2021 season. Thank you, listeners, for being with me and for spending time with my guests. I wish you to continue exploring your life, exploring the world, and, as Nicholas suggesting, see each journey as an opportunity to reinvent yourself. As always, you can find my previous talk on your chosen podcast channels. And if you want your story to be told, or you know someone whose experience shall be shared, please do not hesitate to contact me. I wish you all the best in the next year. Yours, Evelina.